On today's episode of Locked On Suns, a lot has been talked about with this new super team in Phoenix, and a lot more will come in the next month. But what are three realistic, achievable, important, impactful goals that the Phoenix Suns can actually achieve this season? I'll break it down. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Happy Wednesday. We are halfway through the week. It is a good week to be alive. I don't know what I mean by that, but I appreciate you guys, each and every one of you being here. Just search Locked On Suns. Hit subscribe or follow, become an everydayer if you are not already. Nearly 6,000 on YouTube, many more on audio. We are everywhere. We're free everywhere. All you got to do to support the show and get locked onto the Suns each and every day is hit that button, get us in your feed, and away we go. I actually do want to thank you guys. It's been a lot more steady of an offseason from an audience standpoint than it has been in the past, and I don't just mean because of the Bradley Beal trade and the head coaching stuff and everything. I even mean in the dog days of August, so a big thank you. Become part of this community if you're not already, and maybe you'll get that thank you uh, in a couple of months when the season starts, and I hope audience continues to be nice and steady. But we're talking about goals today and borrowing this idea from Locked on Rockets They have a very different set of goals in Houston, of course. Uh, Which guys are going to develop? Who's there long term? What is the new coach going to look like? Can they stop rebuilding? Are they going to get out of the lottery? On and on and on. But in this case, a lot of the Phoenix Suns goals are macro, are very big picture. There's there's some player development stuff. There are some players and skill sets you want to see and and everything else. But I'm, I'm really looking at it big picture because as much as it feels like a pressure cooker season, and it is, which is what goal number one is going to hit on momentarily, it is also a season for a lot to still be put into place. The new ownership is not even, barely even six months old, let alone a year old. New team almost entirely outside of basically two guys. And so there is a lot still to be developed here, even though goal number one is to win a championship. So we'll get to the rest momentarily when it comes to some of those foundation-setting uh, ideas, but winning a championship has to be number one. There's there's nothing more important than that in sports, and there's nothing more important than that in, in a franchise that doesn't have one, I guess is maybe the better way to put it. Some organizations, maybe winning a championship is a little less important. Like, do the Golden State Warriors need to win one for this year to be successful? Maybe, but less so, right? They have four of them. They just won one two years ago. So in this particular case, with how much is riding on this team, with how much money and assets have been forked over to make it happen and, and all the rest, yeah, it's it's pretty big. And of course, again, the pressure of it never having ha- happened for this organization. 
The Suns are plus 650 at FanDuel to win the championship. The Nuggets are plus 480. The Celtics are actually the favorites at plus 470. So, uh, and then my, the Miami Heat are lurking at plus 1,000. That will go up if and when Damian Lillard comes. It may, maybe they even vault into the top spot. I don't know. But the path is right there. The pathway is right there. And, and so even to say that that's a goal, like, yeah, I guess to keep with the Warriors example, it's like, yeah, of course they want to win it. But I think part of why you might say that there's other things at play for the Warriors, it's like, well, they'd like to see something from their young guys. They'd like to have Wiggins continue to take a step forward. They would like to feel good about what Klay Thompson is going to look like before they have to make a contract decision on him. They are in a little bit of a transitionary period. The Suns are not. Um, but at the same time, it is a good year to be all in because so many teams are at different points. It's hard to say that outside of Boston and Phoenix, and if, if the Lillard trade happens, you would have to say the Heat. It's hard to say that any other team besides that is all in right now. Maybe Dallas, you would, you would put in that, that category. Maybe the Wolves because of the Gobert trade. I think that might be it. A lot of teams are either building toward something or transitioning toward whatever the next thing is going to be. You look even at the Milwaukee Bucks and it's an open question whether they have a team that is consistent and at its peak enough to put together 82 plus 16 games and and get where they want to go, which of course is a title as well, the Lakers are always sort of year to year. You you would never say that they're all in for one given season because that's not just that's just not how they've operated, and it's not how LeBron teams have operated with his short contracts and everything else. So not to get onto a tangent with you know everybody's different timelines, but as you've heard me say on this show before over the past couple of weeks, especially as I've really started to buckle in and kind of think about the league from a preview standpoint, an expectation standpoint for the season. I don't expect the Western Conference to be all that loaded in terms of title contenders. I I don't think that this is a situation outside of Phoenix and Denver where there are that many bona fide great teams. I don't think the Warriors or the Lakers fall into that category. I don't see the Clippers. I don't think this is the year that it happens for them if it hasn't already, which of course it hasn't. The Grizzlies, the Pelicans, Kings, those are kind of, you know, still building toward the Thunder, etc. Dallas, I like. Minnesota, I like. But those teams aren't going to be on par with the Suns, you wouldn't think. So this is a season for them to seize. And it is a good season to go all in. As much as they were criticized, maybe continue to be, for going so hard at getting Durant, getting Beal, and all of the machinations that came along with that from a salary and draft pick standpoint, you can't fault them for choosing this moment to do it. Set aside the CBA, set aside the timing of that from a basketball and a winning standpoint. Yeah, maybe they jumped the gun because of a new owner. Okay, well, if that's true, then maybe you'd say they got lucky, honestly, because that new owner happened to slide in at a moment in time when the league was there for the taking. 
On the other hand, the other reason that this should be a goal for the Suns and has to be one, aside from the fact that it's never happened for this franchise, aside from how wide open things are and all the rest that I just went through, is that the window doesn't stay open forever. And, you know, whatever angle you want to look at this from, this doesn't seem like something that is going to be forever. uh, Kevin Durant is only under contract for three more seasons. That's a lot, but, you know, um, he's also 35. So at the end of that contract, he will be 38. And I, I don't exactly, you know, going on 39, I don't exactly think you would plan on him being a number one or two on a great team at that point. Um, that's just how aging works. LeBron James is a unicorn. It's not what you plan on. Bradley Beal is 30. He's under contract for four more seasons. Maybe that age is fine. But again, you don't know that for a fact. All of the rest of these role players are on one or two year contracts, which everybody should be thinking of as one year contracts. Maybe you get lucky again next summer and get equally good players, but that's no given. And DeAndre Ayton is an open question. I think there's a good chance he bounces back. I also think there's a chance that he ends up on a different team by next offseason. You know, both of those are possibilities, and you're not likely to get a player or players as talented as Aiton in that event. So they have to be all in for the reasons that I mentioned, but they also have to be all in because the timeline is not infinite. And part of getting players in their primes or on the tail end of their primes or whatever you want to say Durant and BLR is that brings a sense of urgency with it. And the Suns have acted with that same sense of urgency. They've done what they've needed to do in order to make that happen, but that doesn't lock in anything. And so, of course, the rest of this season and beyond will be handled in much the same way. Number one goal is to win a championship, and everything that that comes with that will, will come with that. Besides winning, which feels like a silly thing to say, but maybe alongside winning, I think there's a a couple of different cultural goals that this organization has heading into the season that are equally important, especially long-term, starting with finding out what a Devin Booker team really looks and feels like. I'll tell you what I mean after a word from FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season. With incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. I do want to remind you, plus 650 for the Suns to win the championship. That's a good thing to bet on this time of year. But right now, new customers get $5. Can bet $500. Can bet $5 to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. There you go. All of it without a brain flub. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Honestly, the NFL Sunday ticket switching to YouTube is a godsend. I love, I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. Their platform is very easy to use. The internet, as long as you have a connection, you know it's going to come through. There's never any technical problems or this and that that you can have, even with your apps through cable. Perfect platform. FanDuel getting in on it is wonderful. Combine the watching with the betting and have great Sundays all throughout the fall and winter. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And we're keeping it rolling. Let's 
dive in to goal number two for the 2023-24 Suns season. We will be getting to the 13 questions that will define the Phoenix Suns season as part of our season preview in the not-too-distant future. But this is an entirely uh, different exercise, of course. Uh, not, not super. We'll be touching on a lot of these same things. But hey, a season preview is a season preview for a reason. You're talking about what matters in the season. And number two goal here for me is, again, to establish what a Devin Booker team looks like. I think you could even say find out and establish, to be honest with you, uh, because I mean no shade on book when I say this, but the Suns have not exactly had the opportunity to develop that out, to really see what it means from a basketball standpoint and from a cultural standpoint, what it means to be a Devin Booker team right? He comes in and he's fighting for playing time and it's a veteran team that's transitioning out of the Jeff Hornacek era and into something different than all the different coaches come through and they're trying to land the lottery picks and Ryan McDonough can't get out of his own way and Robert Sarver's, you know, sabotaging things uh, quietly behind the scenes or in some cases not so quietly and that's hard to really pull much of anything from but all the while Booker is developing his game. I think Monty comes along, and this has really been a Monty Williams, Chris Paul team for two, three years now, right? That are three, four years, I should say. And I think we've learned a lot about Booker, what makes him special as a player, the level of efficiency and competitiveness that he's going to bring, the development as a defensive player, the fact that now he looks to be ready to take the reins as a shot creator for his teammates in addition to himself and somebody who can be more of a point guard. So that's on the basketball side. But again, this has been a Monty Chris Paul show from a cultural standpoint for quite a while now. And I think uh, I'll return to the basketball side. I know I'm back going back and forth a little bit, for, but, but to stick on the culture thing for a moment. And, and if you are an everyday or you've been listening to this show throughout last regular season and into the playoffs, you heard me and I, I have the receipts. I do this show daily. And I, I was on the record saying that I think Booker took steps forward as a leader last year being vocal being somebody that when we would get to talk to these players they would reference hey you know book said this and that in the locker room when I got into at halftime I you know the last guy I wanted to look in the eyes was book or you know during practice book's been on us for this and for that those are the types of things you started to hear for the first time, I would say, ever of, of Booker's career and, and being more vocal, being more front and center, let's say. And even Monty, I think, acknowledged that, you know. And so that's good. I think a good positive step in that regard as well would have to be that Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal have both been so deliberate and so uh, just... I mean, I don't want to say over the top like it's a bad thing, but over the top about how much they are deferring to Booker from a leadership and a face of the franchise and all of that type of stuff, all of those types of standpoints. They know that this is his team, and I think they've said that straight out. It's not even reading between the lines. I think Beal in particular at his intro press conference was like, yeah, this is Book's team, this is Book City, and I'm I'm here for the ride. I'm ready to to do what needs to be done and get and get to work. And I think the fact that the two people who have come in and you would say that, you know, they have helped make this a super team, if you want to call it that, are already stating that 
is huge because, again, if you think of this as a super team, and it doesn't exactly fit the level of stature of some other ones, you know, I think especially regarding Beal, but whatever. It's semantics. It doesn't matter. Beal's an all-star. He's an all-NBA player. He deserves that that status, even if he it's been a little bit. But that's beside the point. My main point is to say that it has worked the best when one person when the best player was the one who stayed and added talent around himself. And I'll tell you what I mean by that, right? In the case of the Heat, I think that there was a significant feeling out process because LeBron was the best player, but Wade was, the Heat were his team, right? And some of this doesn't matter, but I do think some of it does. <laughs> like, And then you look at the Warriors, right? The fact that Steph had been there, maybe that was ultimately what led to some friction with Durant. I, I don't necessarily know, but you heard that out of Golden State. The fact that it was Steph's team, the Steph better stuff that, that was a meme around that time and everything else, you know, that contributed. But I think in the beginning, it helped them establish what everything was going to look like. Durant came in and it was like, all right, I'm figuring this out, right? I need to be the one to fit in. I think you look at the WNBA even, and like the New York Liberty are a super team this year, and I'm sure you've watched their games. If you've kept up, they are a big popular team, and they've been getting a lot of viewers. And that team, like Sabrina Ionescu is the one who stayed put and had the team kind of sprout up around her, but she's had to adjust a ton. Really, that team, the best player was Brianna Stewart, and they had spent like 20 games getting their you-know-what together, you know? So... It's great when the best player, the youngest player, the star at the center of all of it is the one who already has the history in the organization, and I think the Suns will benefit from that. The basketball side of this, the reason that this has to be a goal is more obvious, which is why I saved the basketball side for a little bit here. You need to figure out what a Devin Booker team looks like by putting the ball back into his hands and seeing how far that can take you, seeing if he can stay healthy with more responsibility, seeing if what he did in the playoffs was legitimate in terms of, you know, being able to bring the ball up, initiate offense, be expected to set his teammates up while still not sacrificing his scoring product uh, production or his efficiency and for that matter, his defense. There are going to be nights this season where even at full health, the Suns will require that Booker get 30 points, 10 assists, and defend the best wing player on the opposing team. If you're listening to this podcast and you're, you know, a Sun sicko and everydayer on this show, or you're just, you live and breathe this stuff, you probably don't need me to convince you that Booker's capable of being good enough for all of that. But as much as I believe in it too. Like I am, I'm, I'm at, I'm praying at the altar of Devin Booker. I'm kissing the feet. I'm doing all the stuff to worship the man as an athlete and as a basketball player. I'm, I'm in, I believe it. But at the same time, you can't take for granted that that step just happens. It is hard. It is something that will be unprecedented uh, in a lot of ways for if it actually happens there's just not a lot of players who are late lottery picks who start off as six men shooting specialists basically and turn into 
I mean, what that version of Booker would be is like a legitimate MVP candidate, like not a fifth place vote getter like he was two years ago, but somebody who is genuinely deserving of a serious MVP consideration and is without a doubt capable of being the best player on a title team. I think he can do it. I mean, we've already seen him do it in, in different ways and at different times, so it's not exactly going out on a limb to say he's capable of it, but that still is pretty significant. And, and again, to think about it from a goal standpoint, this is the year to do it. You know, Do you need to readjust what your team is going to be and think about adding more ball handlers off the bench next season if, if it doesn't pan out? Do you need more defensive specialists, which the Suns don't have a lot of on the wing on this roster. If Booker can't be the guy who guards, I don't know, uh, Jamal Murray consistently in the playoffs or, you know, even Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. If he's not that, then you you go a different route. But this year, it's set up for him to be that. I think he can do it. But it is a make or break for the future of this team to know it for sure. And so it has to be a goal. Let's talk about Frank Vogel and the increasingly invested in front office of this team when we hit goal number three after another quick break. Closing out the show with goal number three for this upcoming Suns season, which is to rediscover what a Suns player is. Okay. This is another one where for four years, a Suns player, yeah, in the draft, James Jones has a type. And we'll talk about that. But it was a Suns player was a Monty Williams player, right? And when we were talking about trades or we were talking about free agency, that was always the lens we had to look at it through, right? That's the reason that guys like Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky were brought in. I would say that that's the reason that Tory Craig was acquired uh, both times, frankly, but especially the second time. And I would say that that's why you heard rumors around guys like Domantas Sabonis and John Collins, players who had offensive versatility, had relatively high IQs for the most part, and had size, I think is another thing. You know, like Monty wanted to have a high defensive floor and a higher offensive ceiling, but within a clear structure, right? Like I think that was the goal. Like, let's let's find guys who are going to be able to execute and be smart defensively so that we almost don't have to think about defense too much. And then let's have an offensive scheme where we bring in players who fit within what we're doing and they can help bit by bit take us to the next level. I think that's what a Suns player was from a coaching and scheming standpoint. We don't know what that's going to be with Kevin Young having a larger hand in the offense, with Frank Vogel you know, implementing a new defensive structure with a whole new coaching staff from a player development standpoint and from a, you know, rotation building standpoint and a, you know, load management, like who gets opportunities and when and what they are asked to do is going to be entirely different for all those reasons. 
On the other hand, and I'll return to that, but on the other hand, there is obviously the other element from a front office standpoint. And, you know, last summer there was a lot of talk because the Suns didn't get the Durant trade done and they ended up having a very quiet offseason that they were getting laughed at. I mean, look, like we don't have to beat around the bush. The Sarver thing was still up in the air and the lack of investment in the front office, in scouting, in analytics, and all these different areas of what it means to be a championship organization in 2023 going into 2024 in the NBA just didn't really feel like you could identify it in Phoenix. And I think that uh, that, that that has changed. And so that's one reason why I'm a little bit hesitant to say that what we thought of as a James Jones player will continue to be a James Jones player. Um, I would hope. You know, I think that there are more scouts in the building now. There is a more significant analytics staff on down the line. The other reason that I, well, the reason I would say we do know what a James Jones player is, is this mid-prime veteran concept, right? And I've talked about this a lot. And in a lot of ways, the the, the, the free agents that James Jones went out and signed for the Suns this offseason are not that different from the players that he's drafted in terms of what he's going for, right? He's going for established... He's going for players with an established set of skills that he knows or thinks can translate to what his team is trying to do, but who, for one reason or another do have a ceiling. And I think that's part of what maybe got overlooked is I think that there is a perception that James Jones only targets guys that are high floor, low ceiling. But I don't actually think that's true. I think that he targets players who are going to have a different type of opportunity and expanded responsibility level, uh, et cetera, on, on the Suns, right? Like, I think Cam Johnson, it's like, yeah, you might say low ceiling just because he was older, which is obviously another through line for James Jones, types but in in the context of what he was going to be doing for phoenix i actually think there was a ceiling right um i think that the ceiling was a, a higher ceiling i should say which was hey what if, what if he's not just a shooter what if one now that he's healthy and the hip stuff that made him get red flagged in 2019 what if that goes away could he be a better defender than we think does he maybe have a little bit of offensive creation ability that we're not seeing and i think that panned out to be true I think Jalen Smith it was like hey what if you know he was a he was a bit player as a freshman at Maryland then as, as a sophomore he plays center a little bit he looks a little bit you know nicer but it's like okay what if that guy you know got to be a return to being a power forward maybe space it out a little bit maybe allowed you know DeAndre Ayton to space out a little bit and, and form a little you know twin towers action like I'm not trying to make the case for Jalen Smith that was a crazy pick but just trying to show the through lines. Um, on the other hand, what doesn't feel, what makes it uncertain what a James Jones player is going to look like is that we don't know if he's going to keep his job. Right? Um, and so to bring the front office, the, 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 the we do know and the we don't know threads together, we do know because of these mid-prime veterans that he's acquired, which to define that for you, because I didn't a minute ago, is what these free agents, he has been calling them. Guys who are 
coming off of losing situations but have established themselves in the NBA as productive, contributing players. What can they do on a great team? They are you know, coming off of their first contract. They are in their mid to late 20s. They are ready to win. They are ready to level up. What can we do to make that happen for them? Very similar to the draft uh, ideology. But I'm not saying there's any reason for James Jones to lose his job. I'm not calling for him to lose his job. But I think that it is undeniable that as we progress through what is still just year one of new ownership, we already heard rumblings when Ishbia took over. If there are questions or concerns or this team does not live up to expectations for one reason or another, not just this year, but down the line, we will hear those rumblings come back. And so a goal for this season has to be to rediscover what a Suns player is, bring them into the building, continue to bring them into the building, and build them up, right? That just didn't happen under Monty. And maybe that's a Monty thing, because again, I do believe that this organization culturally and player development-wise really was on in, in Monty's image more than James Jones's the past four years. Now, as we just talked about with Booker, it's there for the taking. This is a new era. Everybody's getting a fresh start. So rediscovering what a Suns player is, that goal matters for what the future of the roster and the, and the, the system and the personality of this team is going to be. But it also matters bigger picture than that because... If it doesn't happen, that's what a general manager, a president of basketball operations job is. And if this team doesn't have a cohesive concept of what that is, then I think Ishbia is going to go looking for somebody who can construct that because even super teams have to have that. You know, the Brooklyn Nets never found that. And I think it's a reason why things were always so unsteady there. They, they messed up their coaching hire. They, they added one too many stars who didn't balance out. You know, you would you can point to several teams that have just never been able to get off the ground because they didn't have a, a strong sense of self. And even with talent, you have to have that. That will wrap us up three goals for the Phoenix Suns this season. Fun to do a solo show again. I feel like it's been weeks, but I actually think it's just been two weeks. I don't know. I guess I'm used to the daily. So even the two weeks feels like an incredibly long time. I'm pumped for preview coverage. It is coming soon. Hit follow, hit subscribe, be coming every day. You'll get each and every preview episode right there in your feed as we get closer to training camp about one month from now, which is extremely exciting we'll have preseason games to talk about actual quotes and images and video from practice all the good stuff basketball at the nba level will be back in our lives so come along for the ride with me if you liked what you heard today a lot of you already know what you're getting but if you haven't if you didn't there you go i'll talk to you guys close out the week with aaron edwards on friday